There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kramitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast. Greg, the Free Lunch Podcast. It is. Yes. It's free. And yep. you can listen to it over lunch if you want. That's right. That's right. Last week, we had Jay Schmidt from JMH and Company talking about all things tax. And that was a good episode. He's a knowledgeable guy. We'd encourage you to go back and listen to that one if you have any tax questions or even reach out to him. He's always good at answering questions, right? Now's a good time to be listening to that as well, because of course, people are thinking about tax-free savings account contributions, RSP contributions. RIF withdrawals. RIF withdrawals and getting everything ready to file their tax returns for this year. So this week on to something different. We are going to start a new mini series. I kind of like doing these mini series things. And we're going to do this one on choosing a financial professional to work with, which, hey, that's what we do, right? Exactly. And as it'll become apparent over the course of this mini series, of course, people have different needs, different wants, and there's a whole lot of financial professionals out there. So what strategy should people use when they're looking to find someone? I think it's sort of like buying a car. If you think back to the last time you buy a car, just because your sister or your brother or a good friend owns a particular car, is that the reason why you should be looking at that particular car for yourself? Don't you think that person's probably biased? They might be. And were you looking at cars like a Honda Fit and a Land Rover at the same time? Obviously, those are pretty dramatically different vehicles. And did you look at everything in between? Or did you go into the dealership and not have the foggiest idea of what type of cars they sold, what prices were, things like that? The answer is probably no. Most people, and I say this because my wife and I are currently looking at cars for the next fall. A Honda Fit? I don't think so. But uh, (laughs) Nothing against the Honda Fit. Not at all. The Honda Fit is perfect for certain people. But generally, you start the process by thinking about what your needs are and the budget in general. And then you typically home in on two or three vehicles that might fit the bill, do some homework, you read up on them, you read ratings and reviews, take test drives, and then you make the decision as which one to buy. And what's surprising is that many times investors take the opposite approach when they're choosing a financial advisor. Certainly a lot of investors rely on people they know, whether they're friends or family, and say, well, gee, who do you use? And that's the way they choose. And but that's kind of the way you choose many things, whether it's a plumber, electrician, that's realtor. Right. And the interesting thing, though, is that when it comes to financial advice, because of the broad range of different types of advisors out there, it's actually a little bit different than choosing a plumber or an electrician because the needs are pretty straightforward in those cases. I need this light installed. I need my plumbing fixed, whereas it's much different in the financial advisory business. And again, as I mentioned, because there's so many different types of advisors, the profession itself is big and confusing. It includes people that are focused primarily on investments, or there could be those that really focus primarily on doing comprehensive financial planning. There's commission-based brokers that call themselves financial advisors. And then there's 
fee-only or fee-based advisors who don't use commissions at all. And part of the problem is many of these people use exactly the same names. And so the industry hasn't really helped from the standpoint of almost anybody can call themselves a financial advisor. There is some reform that's currently occurring to that. They are trying to make it more transparent as to what people actually do. Exactly. Through their titles. There is good news. And the good news is that there's a lot of ways to zero in on who the best advisor is for you. And it requires sort of spending some time, much as you would when you're buying a car, figuring out on what exactly are the needs that you have. Then you can get into whether or not different compensation structures will work better or worse for you. But again, you've got to identify your goals in seeking an advisor, look at what sort of relationship you want and make sense, how much you expect to need, how much contact you want with them, etc. And once you have done some pre-planning that way, then you can sort of go and look for an advisor who fits your description that you sort of made for yourself. Now, we're going to get into five questions to ask yourself, ask others when choosing a financial professional to deal with. So these five questions come to us from Morningstar. We didn't write them. We're just going to talk about them because there's lots of these lists out there that people have published over the years of what questions to ask a financial professional when interviewing them or thinking about who to use. So the first question is, are you seeking help with your financial life or your investment portfolio? And this is a good question because those things are related, but they're not the same. So a key issue among financial advisors is focus. In other words, some financial advisors will focus a lot of their time around things like security selection. What stock should I buy? What bond should I buy? What is my asset allocation? What new products are out there that will give me a higher expected return? But that's just focusing on investment characteristics. That doesn't necessarily mean that that investment that this person has identified actually falls into what somebody needs if they have done a financial plan. It's just an investment. So other people will focus on financial planning and really focus on identifying those long-term goals, but actually don't necessarily know a lot about the individual investments themselves. Yes. And then you've got people that are in the middle. I would say for us, we're in the middle. We have a good understanding of financial planning and the importance of it, why you need to do a financial plan, the information that comes out of it and how it's beneficial to us and to our investors. But we also understand the importance of having, how would you say this, an academically based scientific approach to investment portfolio management. Absolutely, because there's no sense developing a financial plan if you can't build an investment strategy that will deliver the goals that you're set for yourself. That's right. So in this Morningstar article, it says, if you're seeking holistic planning advice, then a financial planner is appropriate if you're seeking broad financial planning guidance on your investment portfolio, but other parts of your plan as well. So yes, we agree with that. If you're just looking for advice, of course, get a plan done. No problem there at all. If you need investment advice first and foremost, now I would argue That's putting the cart before the horse. Exactly. Anybody that comes to us and says, I want to invest money with you and tell me what you're going to buy, we always deflect to, well, what planning have you done to determine how much risk you need to take? And that's going to determine what investments you need. But if you do, if you're that person out there that just needs investment advice, 
and you think your financial plan is in good shape, then you may be more apt to go with somebody who's just doing investment advisory services. And there are many options in that area. And you carry a designation, a certified investment manager. Management an- analyst. Management analyst designation. That's right. I should know that because I'm completing that myself right exactly. now. And I know that that one's not well known in Canada per se, but in the US it is considered to be one of the gold standards of investment management services. That's right. It's just a way of honing our skills and really being current on the state of the investment management industry, the financial planning industry. It's all encompassed. And again, that is more of a holistic approach to what we do. It's interesting. It strikes me as we're going through these questions, selecting a financial advisor, you go through the same process that we go through when we talk about developing a financial plan or an estate plan, which we've talked about on previous podcasts. In a way, it's like, well, you can't get to the end without doing the work up front. And the work up front is, well, what exactly are my needs? In an estate plan, you think about, well, how do I want my assets to be distributed after I die? And in a financial plan, it's, well, how do I plan to get to the end, whether it's the retirement goal or what have you? And it all starts by asking questions and coming up with answers. And so... Well, it's like building a house. You got to lay the foundation first. That's right. What's question two? Let's go on to the next one. You should ask yourself, like, are you looking for advice on a few specific issues or do you need help with the whole plan? So do you need a one-time or periodic help or do you need ongoing assistance? And once you've determined whether you're looking for investment advice or financial planning advice, you do want to consider what specific items you need help with. And the reason we ask is because there are different types of advisors or planners that can offer either one-time assistance or ongoing assistance. If you're seeking advice on just a few issues, like you want to just do a quick review of your retirement assets and the viability of them doing what you want for just the next five years or so, you might pick what they call a fee-only financial planner. Somebody that for a set fee on an hourly rate, let's say, will go through your plan and help you work it out. And that'll be the last you have to do with those planners. I would argue on a basic one, if somebody just has a basic information requirement, you could probably just do that at the bank. You could, absolutely. There's lots of bankers that have access to simple software that they could easily determine your assets, liabilities, and future net worth. Exactly. However, if you're looking for broad and ongoing financial help, meaning if you expect that your advice needs will be ongoing, so then it may be more cost-effective to take a more holistic approach on that and use a financial advisor who can offer both the planning and the investment management expertise on a fee basis rather than on a one-time basis. Wait a minute. Do you know a group in Calgary that offers financial planning services and investment management services together under a flat fee model? I do, Colin. Which group is that? That would be our group. Oh, right, 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 right. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are we recommending our group to listeners? Of course course we are. (laughs) However, we believe that even in terms of recommending ourselves, we also recommend that people go through this process. Yes. Because joking aside, you do require a good fit. And so the needs of an individual and the kind of assistance they're looking for, whether it's planning or investments or both, it has to fit with the kind of advice and the kind of services that the advisors offer. And we'll be talking a little bit about that as we go forward. And then there are some different models of engagement where there might even be some sort of retainer model where an advisor gets paid a monthly or an annual dollar-based fee rather than a percentage of assets. That's a little bit more common in the U.S. right now. We don't see that in Canada, but in general, my experience is whatever happens in the U.S. will eventually find its way up here. 
Just like inflation. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Question three, how hands-off or hands-on do you wish to be? Now, this goes out to those do-it-yourselfers out there. We did a whole episode on do-it-yourselfers last year, and absolutely, there are people that when they look at their needs, they say, well, I'm happy doing part of this myself. Just like they're happy changing their own oil or framing their basement or all kinds of things, exactly. right? Yep. So you got to ask yourself how much of a role you'd want to play in managing your finances, just similarly to like how much of a role do you want to play in maintaining your vehicle? And there's different levels of that. So if you want to be part of the planning process and handle certain parts of it, yourself or do you want to delegate most of the decision making so if you're willing to handle certain aspects of your plan on your own well obviously the more that you do yourself the more you'll be able to shave off in advisory fees i mean that's pretty straightforward it's just like if i take my car to i don't know minute lube am i recommending minute lube greg I don't know a lot about oil change. Uh. <laughs> All I'm saying, of course, I'm not, I'm not recommending them or not, not recommending them. But, you know, if I take my car to Minute Lube versus I take my car to the dealership, yep. I'm expecting two different experiences. That's right. So this is just the same in investing that you can pay for hourly services in many cases. You can pay for on per project basis. So those would be more like financial planners that you mentioned that charge an hourly rate to complete a plan, but they're not going to put that plan into action for you. They're just identifying goals, needs, whatever, and then they're just handing it back to you. So if you want to be less hands-off and you want to delegate, this can be accomplished. And this is accomplished for many busy people that we deal with. They're busy doing things in their own lives, like their own jobs, raising their families, whatever it is that they're doing. And they don't necessarily either have the time to participate in the planning and investment management process, or in some cases, they're just not inclined to. They recognize their level of experience and expertise. And it's kind of like, I guess you could pull your own tooth out, but (laughs) I don't know why you'd want to. You could, you know, instead get a better experience by going to a professional. So in this way, you can pay an advisor a percentage of your assets, usually starts around 1%, and they'll do the heavy lifting for you. They'll do the financial planning, the investment management process, the ongoing performance, things, all that. You betcha. Another question that sort of ties into that do-it-yourself side of things is the question, how comfortable is the investor or the client with technology? Because most of us in the kind of advice business that you and I are in, still meet face-to-face with clients in offices or wherever. Well, just virtually these days. Well, I was going to say technology is really changing the advisory industry fast and the pandemic has really accelerated that progress because we've seen a lot over the last couple of years of we're not able to meet face-to-face with clients because of the pandemic. And so certainly the technology to allow us to meet virtually has exploded. And there's a lot of technology under the surface as well. So not just meeting with clients, but there's robo-advisors that we've talked about before. They use computer algorithms to deliver low-cost investment advice. And even human advisors, we rely heavily on software programs and things like that for financial planning and investment management, et cetera. And again, we use portals on our own company's websites to allow investors to go in and get information about their, not just about their accounts, but information about their investments. So using that technology. So 
if you're really comfortable with technology, then there's opportunities for people to do more of the do-it-yourselfer by using technology-driven advice like robo-advisors. And some people feel that they don't need to pay human financial advisors for services if they feel that they can get advice by using robo-advice. And that's certainly a lower-cost way in some cases of getting that advice. And then with the investment management piece, you can use a robo-advisor as well. So certainly people that are more comfortable with technology and have that do-it-yourself sensibility about managing their own investments, there's lots of options available. And as I say, they can be, although they're not always, but they can be less costly than using a full-service advisor. They can be for sure, but again, you get what you pay for. And certainly if you're a person that likes more face-to-face interaction with another human, then you want to focus on advisors who not only work using that model, but also are in the same general vicinity. Because of course, with virtual meetings and technology, you don't have to live in the same city or even the same country. Well, country, there's a different issue there, but that's separate. But you don't have to live close to your advisor. But many of us, myself included, still enjoy face-to-face interaction. And in that case, then you may want to search only for financial advisors right in your neighborhood. People are transitory. They move. I mean, we've dealt with clients in Switzerland, the Dominican Republic, Czechoslovakia. That's right. Now called the Czech Republic. Right. I always get those. You're right. I'm behind. <laughs> My geography isn't, isn't up to date. I still remember Yugoslavia. Of course, that's no longer that. But we do deal with clients from around the world. And it's fine. You can do it electronically. You can use Zoom or Microsoft Teams or any of those online virtual portals you mentioned. The only issue is maybe a time zone issue sometimes. Like when you live in Switzerland and you're dealing with somebody in Calgary, there's a bit of a time zone issue there, but you can do it. So question five of the five questions on this Morningstar report, do you have a specific investment philosophy you'd like to see your advisor employ? Now I would say this is a big one. This is a critical one. Yeah. So this gets back to, do you believe in things like active management versus passive management? Are you aware of the different strategies and products out there. We hear quite often people will be referred to us and they'll say things like, well, I don't like mutual funds. (laughs) It's such a broad thing to say, to be quite frank. That's like saying, I don't like water. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, well, maybe you don't like carbonated water. Maybe you like only distilled water. I don't know. Like maybe that's not a good analogy, but there's all kinds of different mutual funds. There's just to put them all under the same umbrella doesn't make sense. And as we've talked, I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts, very often when people say, I don't like mutual funds, it's because sometime in their past, they invested in a mutual fund. And for the time they were invested, they didn't make the kind of returns that they expected to. And as a result, they blame their experience on the mutual fund and not on the underlying holdings of the fund or the strategy that the fund employs. So the bigger question is this question states is, what is your investment philosophy and how do you want it employed? And if you want to be a market timer, which we don't think people should do, but you could find somebody who believes in market timing. Do you want to be more tactical or less tactical in just having a long range asset allocation that's rebalanced to, and you can find somebody that does that too. I mean, you're going to find somebody out there that is going to offer you services that align with what your beliefs are. But if you have a specific investment philosophy you'd like to see the advisor employ, well, then the good news is that if you're listening to this podcast, 
you're already developing a set of investment beliefs that you'd like to see embedded in how you want things going forward. And so even if you're delegating the specific decision-making to an advisor, you're still giving them the tools to say, well, I want growth or I want income or I want capital preservation. How are we going to do that? And then you're determining how active or passive your strategy is from that. Or if you're open to willing and allowing the investment advisor to apply their own strategy, you could go into more of a discretionary account or discretionary agreement where you have to all be on board as to how much risk is really relevant and should be applied in that situation but you're giving sort of a bit of freedom to the advisor to select and trade the securities that are in that portfolio. No, exactly. And one of the reasons why it's so important to sort of identify if you have your own beliefs about investments is because in order to then when you select an advisor, you may not find the right fit if your beliefs and the advisor's beliefs don't mesh. For instance, we have an investment philosophy that anyone who listens to this podcast knows has a pretty good idea of after the last 85 or 86 podcasts. We have a specific investment philosophy. And if somebody comes in and they're talking to us or interviewing us to see if we would become their advisors, and it becomes clear that they would prefer to pick their own individual stocks or focus only on dividend stocks or take some approach that we don't believe is in their best interest, then it would not make sense for us to be working together for either of us, for us or for the individual. It just again highlights how important it is for in selecting a financial advisor. It's an active process and we encourage people. Certainly, we will always look to friends and family to get an idea, to get names. But from there, you then need to do your own research as you say, just because it works for one person, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right fit for somebody else. And you can only determine that by knowing yourself and by asking questions. You'll know if that Honda Fit is the right vehicle for you, Greg. Well, I know when we try to get our three (laughs) dogs inside that Honda Fit, I'm pretty sure in advance that it's not going to be the right one. Yeah. Well, listen, I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Thanks for joining us. Next week, we have Allison Schrager on the podcast. Allison is an economist with the Manhattan Institute, a think tank in New York. And she's also the author of a book called An Economist Walks Into a Brothel. So we're going to have her on and we're going to talk about, I don't know, things that an economist would talk about. And then after that episode, we'll carry on the conversation and mini series on choosing a financial advisor and firm. We're going to look at things like fiduciary responsibility, titles, designations, credentials, and all those good things. Right on. Okay, well then, till next time. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is 
is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking, or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2022.